Hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons that we're calling What's Next? Now, we all know that the world has changed since the coronavirus outbreak began, but nobody knows exactly how much the world has changed. So we all want to know how different things are going to be in the future, and that means that we're all asking, what's next? But nobody can tell us for sure what's next for us as individuals or what's next for our world, and that's because it's the choices that you and I are going to make that's really going to shape what our new normal is like. So during this series of sermons, we're going to be talking about some of the choices that we'll face that will shape our new reality. So let's dive right into this week's sermon. So on December 31st of last year, the World Health Organization received the first report of a pneumonia-like disease in Wuhan, China, that would later be identified as COVID-19. Now, as unbelievable as that may seem, that was less than six months ago. But my, how the world has changed in less than six months. In less than six months, the coronavirus has spread to over 6.2 million people living in 188 different countries including nearly 2 million right here in the United States. In less than six months, nearly 400,000 people worldwide have died because of the coronavirus, including over 100,000 Americans. And because of the rapid spread and devastating consequences of the coronavirus, all of our lives have changed. Now, some of our lives have changed drastically because of a firsthand experience with this virus, feeling the physical effects for ourselves or watching it take its toll on a family member or a friend. Others have felt the drastic effects of having our economy shut down almost overnight. 36.5 million Americans have lost their jobs, and many of them are unsure when they'll be able to return to work. But even if the effects that we felt haven't been that drastic, All of our lives have been changed because of the coronavirus. Kids and teenagers across the world finished out the school year on computer screens instead of in their classrooms. Millions of Americans started working from home over the last few months. We've also spent those last few months being unable to spend time with our extended family or friends. With businesses shut down for weeks, we haven't been able to eat in restaurants or go to the movies or work out in a gym or get our hair cut. Our summer vacation plans have been canceled, along with the NCAA canceling all of their spring seasons. Even the Kentucky Derby's been postponed for this year. So all of our lives have been changed because of the coronavirus. But over the last few weeks, we have seen the spread of this virus start to slow down, and we've seen some of the social distancing restrictions beginning to ease, and we've seen parts of our economy slowly beginning to reopen. So over the last few weeks, we've been able to go back to eat at some of our restaurants. And over the last few weeks, we've been able to visit beauty parlors and barbershops to have our hair cut again. And over the last few weeks, we've been able to go to the gym and work out, or at least we've been able to feel bad about not using our gym membership again. And over the last few weeks, we've been able to start navigating our way through the new reality that we're living in. And make no mistake about it, we are living in a new reality. The coronavirus has shown us all that our state, our country, and our world are going to look different as we continue to move forward. This pandemic has become one of those defining moments in our history, like the Great Depression or World War II, where we know that things are going to change forever. 
And even though we've been able to experience at least a little bit of what life is going to be like as stay-at-home orders have come to an end, most of us are feeling pretty anxious and we want to know how much our world and our lives are going to change. We want to know how long we're going to be asked to wear masks when we go out in public. We want to know how long we're going to have to have our temperatures checked before we can get a haircut. We want to know how long it will be before we really feel comfortable sitting back down inside of a busy restaurant or a crowded movie theater. We want to know how long it's going to take for a vaccine to be developed, if a vaccine's going to be developed at all. We all, we all want to know how long it's going to be before our economy can bounce back. Or to put it another way, we all want to know what's next as we continue to live through this pandemic. We all want to know what's next as we continue to live through this pandemic. So that's what I want to spend our time together over the next few weeks talking about. I want to talk about what's next for us all. But before we even get started with any of that, I have to give you a warning. I'm not a fortune teller, and I don't have a crystal ball that I can look into, so I can't tell you exactly what the future holds for me or for you or for anyone else. And nobody else can either. The truth is we are living through a period of unprecedented change, and there won't be an aspect of our lives that will not be impacted by the coronavirus. The coronavirus will continue to impact the way that we think about healthcare, and it will change the way that we think about everything from preventative medicine to how we access our doctors in the future. The coronavirus is going to continue to impact our economy, and it's going to change the way that we think about our own money. The coronavirus is going to continue to impact our education system, and it will change the only system of education that many of us have ever known. But that's not all. The coronavirus is also going to change the way that we interact with other people. It's going to change the way that we spend our free time. The coronavirus is going to change the way that we feel about traveling and about going on vacation. And it's going to truly impact every aspect of our lives. But I can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like because I just don't know. I don't know what our healthcare system is going to look like two years from now. And I don't know what school is going to be like in 10 years. I don't know when our economy is going to rebound, and I have no idea when you're going to feel comfortable shaking another person's hand again. I don't know for sure what's next for any of us. But what I do know is that we will all have a choice in what's next for us. We will all have a choice in what's next for us. So that's really what we're going to focus in on over the next few weeks. We're going to focus in on the choices that we'll face that will shape our future. So over the next few weeks, we'll talk about the choices that we'll face when it comes to our attitude about the new normal we're living in. And we'll talk about the choices that we'll face when it comes to our relationship with money going forward. And we'll talk about the choice that we'll face when it comes to the way that we interact with other people in the future. And we'll also spend some time talking about the choices that we'll face when it comes to the future of the church. Now, as I think about the choices, all the choices that we're going to face and the ways that these choices will shape our new normal, I can't help but remember one of my favorite lines from the Harry Potter series. In The Goblet of Fire, Albus Dumbledore, who let's just admit it, is probably the greatest wizard ever, says, There will be a time when we must choose between what is easy and what is right. For most of the choices that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, there is a right choice. But that choice won't always be the easy choice. 
And that's especially true for the choice that we're going to be talking about today. Before we start talking about our attitude, about our new normal, or our money, or our interactions with other people, or even the future of the church, there's another choice that we need to talk about right now. And this is something that started gaining attention fairly early on as the coronavirus spread across our country. As this virus spread across our country, health experts began to realize that black Americans were being disproportionately affected by the coronavirus. And although information on the subject is still sparse, we have learned that black Americans' deaths are two times higher than should be expected based on their share of the population. And we've seen in four states that the death rate for black Americans with COVID-19 is three or more times greater than should be expected. But the disproportionate effects of the coronavirus on black Americans, it's not the only event that has brought renewed attention to ongoing racial disparity and systemic racism in our country. On May 25th, not even three weeks ago, George Floyd was arrested in Minneapolis, Minnesota. While he was handcuffed and lying on the ground during that arrest, a white police officer knelt on George Floyd's neck for over eight minutes, causing him to die of asphyxiation. This happened just over two months after Breonna Taylor was shot and killed in her own bed by police officers serving a no-knock search warrant right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And that happened just weeks after Ahmaud Arbery was killed in Glynn County, Georgia, while he was out for a run by a former police investigator there for the police department and his son. So over the last few weeks, protesters have taken to the streets to demand justice for George and Brianna and Ahmad, and to call for an end to the systemic racism that has allowed for each of their deaths. Now just a couple of minutes ago, I told you that the coronavirus has led us to one of those defining moments in our history. A moment where we know that things are going to change forever. And there is no question that right now, that people are calling out for our new normal to be more just than our old normal. Right now, there is no question that people are calling out for a new normal that brings an end to racism and oppression in our country. Right now, there is no question that there are people calling out that as we begin our new normal, that we finally live up to the words that our nation was founded on, that we are all created equal. So we all have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. Will we choose to do what needs to be done to make sure that our new normal is more just than our old normal? Will we choose to do what needs to be done to bring an end to racism and oppression in our country? Will we choose to do what needs to be done to make sure that for the first time in our history that we are all seen and treated as equals? And that brings me back to that quote from Harry Potter, that there will be a time when we must choose between what is easy and what is right. When it comes to creating a more just society, when it comes to ending racism and oppression, when it comes to making sure that we are all seen and treated as equals, we all know the right choice. But we've known the right choice for a long, long time. We knew the right choice before Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, Missouri. We knew the right choice before Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida. We knew the right choice before Rodney King was beaten in Los Angeles. And we knew the right choice before Emmett Till was lynched in Mississippi. 
We have known the right choice for a long, long time. But we've always made the easy choice in the past. The easy choice is to turn a blind eye to racism and oppression. The easy choice is to ignore what protesters have been calling for. The easy choice is to throw our hands up in the air and say that there is nothing that we can do about it because the problem of systemic racism is just too big a problem for any one of us to solve. But when we make that easy choice over and over and over again, I can't help but be reminded of God's response when the people of Israel cried out to him, asking that God would bring an end to the racism and oppression that the people of Israel were experiencing. In Isaiah chapter 64, the people of Israel are living in exile. They have been invaded and they've been conquered by the Babylonian Empire. So in Isaiah, the people are going to cry out for a new normal. They are going to cry out for justice and an end to their oppression. And they are going to ask God to do something about it. So let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 64, and let's listen to the plea of the people of Israel. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, mountains would quake before you, like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. When you accomplished wonders beyond all our expectations, when you came down, mountains quaked before you. From ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right. They will, all, they will praise you for your ways. But you were angry when we sinned. You hid yourself when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a menstrual rag. All of us wither like a leaf. Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you, for you have hidden yourself from us and have handed us over to our sin. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Don't rage so fiercely, Lord. Don't hold our sin against us forever. But gaze now on your people, on all of us. So the people of Israel, they've been living in exile. They've essentially been taken as hostages or prisoners of war by the Babylonian Empire. They long for a better time in their history, a time when they are free. So they call out to God, asking God to do something about it. And in verse 1, the people say, If only you would tear open the heavens and come down. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down. Then everything would be different. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down. Then our oppression would come to an end. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down. Then we would be freed from our captors and our captivity. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, then our new normal would be better than our old normal. In a lot of ways, the cries of the people of Israel sound like the cries that we're hearing across America right now. But God chooses to respond differently to the cries of the people of Israel 
then we have chosen to respond to the cries of our fellow Americans. Instead of choosing to do the easy thing, and to wait for the people of Israel to just quit crying out, instead of doing the easy thing and ignoring that the people of Israel were facing a real problem, instead of doing the easy thing and discounting the request that the people of Israel were making because of their negative behavior of some in their midst, God chooses to do the right thing. God chooses to do the right thing. God listens to what the people are asking for him to do. And then God does it. This passage in Isaiah 64 is a passage in the Bible that we usually read around Christmas time. And at the first Christmas, God tore open the heavens and came down to this earth. God became one of us. and God made everything different for us. Now, the easy thing for us to say is that, of course, God made everything different. God is God, and we're not. We can't tear open the heavens. We can't come down and make the mountains quake. We're just us. And when it comes to the problems of racism in our country, it doesn't feel like there's much that just us can do about it. But here's the thing. We are not just us. When we commit our lives to follow Jesus, we become a part of the body of Christ. So we aren't just us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We aren't just us. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. So we need to do the same thing today that Jesus did when he tore open the heavens and came down to this earth. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I know systemic reforms sound overwhelming. I know that we can't just flip a switch and bring it into something that has been embedded in our country and in our culture for over 400 years. I'm not blind or naive to the obstacles that we face. But if we're really committed to making sure that our new normal is more just than our old normal, if we're really committed to ending racism and oppression, if we're really committed to making sure that all people are seen and treated as equals, we're going to have to be prepared to do the hard work that all of these things require. And I know, I know right now you feel powerless, but engage anyway. Study, advocate, speak up in your family, in your church, in your town, in your state, and yes, speak up in Washington. When you fight for racial justice, but you're defeated, keep going. If you don't, then nothing will change. So let's commit ourselves to spend most of our time listening to black Americans and other people of color who have suffered under systemic racism for generations. Let us be willing to hear the hard truths about ourselves and our privilege that we have refused to hear or accept in the past. Let us commit ourselves to do the hard work of not just being not racist, but also becoming anti-racist and standing up against any act of racism, whether it comes from a private citizen, a police officer, or a public official. And let us commit for the long haul. It took us over 400 years to get to where we are today. And that's not going to change overnight. So we're going to have to choose to make whatever progress we can every single day. And I'm not talking about that in abstract terms. You're going to have to choose to make whatever progress you can to bring an end to racism every single day. 
For as Robert Kennedy once said, Few have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events. It is from numberless diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring those ripples, build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. So choose to do your part to create a more just world. Choose to do your part to end racism and oppression. Choose to do your part to make sure that we are all seen and treated as equals. Choose to do your part and send forth that tiny ripple so that together we can build the current that will make our new normal better than our old normal. Choose. Choose to do the right thing instead of the easy thing. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you now, you know where we find ourselves in history. You know that because of the coronavirus that we are entering into one of those moments where we know that our future will be changed forever. And God, you know that one of the things that needs to change as we look toward a new normal that is better than our old normal is the treatment of African Americans and other people of color in our world today. God, you know that racism still exists God, you hate that as much as we do. So God, my prayer is that you allow us to finally make the choice to do the right thing, to do anything and everything that we can to stand up against racism in any form or shape that it takes. Help us. Help us to choose the right things. Help us to find the right path forward. Help us to do anything and everything that we can to make our new normal more just, to make our new normal one free of racism and oppression, to make our new normal the first time in our history where everyone is seen and treated as equals. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for joining us for this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to think about what you can do to make a difference when it comes to the issue of racism in our world and in our country today. And I hope, I really do hope that you'll take whatever steps you can each and every day to bring an end to racism in our world once and for all. Now, next week, we're going to be continuing on in the series of sermons, and we're going to be talking about our mentality, the choice that we have about the way that we see all the change that's coming at us. So I hope that you'll join us back here next Sunday when that episode drops. And as always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. So I hope that you have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another Sermon Podcast.